going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 7 of First Pitch 305. I'm your host, Alex Aguirre. And welcome to another episode of the podcast. And I'm running it back with the same crew as episode 6. So joining me for today's episode is beat writer for Fist Stripes, Kevin Barral. And beat writer for Con Las Bases Llenas, Andres Bolivar. Fellas, welcome to the show. How are you guys? Dude, I'm excited. I'm I'm good. The deadline's just a couple days away from the moment we're recording this. The Marlins got swept by the Mets, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. that's kind of what we expected, to be honest. Uh, but now nah, I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to come back and run it back with you guys. You know, this is this has turned into our this has been the crew in the press box. It's been us three, and then whoever's with with me on, along with me in fish stripes. We have Yordano in the press box. So we, we've we've made a little family there. I love it. Andres, ¿cómo está? How are you, friend? Todo bien. Eh, un placer estar otra vez con ustedes. Y 48 horas para el deadline. Van, yeah. a, ser la, van a ser las horas más interesantes eh, en el béisbol de las grandes ligas estos dos días. Y bueno, tenemos mucho que hablar sobre los Marlins y, y lo que esperan en estas 48 horas y lo que ha pasado eh, desde que hablamos la última vez. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Andres. We have a lot to unpack and unravel in terms of Marlins news. Not really, we're not going to talk about performance-wise. We're not going to talk about the X's and O's recently with the Marlins. We're going to get more about behind the scenes. And we're going to start things off with, I guess, the biggest news so far in the the last couple of days, other than, as Kevin mentioned, Marlins getting swept, is that um, General Manager Kim Ang, she finally showed up and appeared to the media. And there was a press (laughs) conference in the middle of the game, for some reason, in the second inning. But either way, there was a press conference with Kim, and Andres, Kevin, and I, and many, many other members of the media, we attended this press conference. And finally, or we expected, I guess that's the better word, expected to get some clarity uh, or a sense of direction of where this franchise is going. As Andres mentioned, we are 48 hours away from the trade deadline. So let's, and, and if you want to get a better idea or a better feel of this um, press conference, you can go to um, Fist Stripes, Kevin did an article and he transcribed a good chunk of that interview. He, he picked the, the, I guess the most important, he thought um, responses and questions throughout, throughout that press conference. So Kevin, I'm going to have you take the lead here. Um, just start things off. What was your general observation? What was your general take on this press conference? I learned nothing. Okay. Let's be honest. <laughs> I learned absolutely nothing about this team. I just learned that Kim Ang likes to wiggle around questions. Okay. Um, she, she, she cleared up some stuff, I guess you could say. I mean, she really didn't go one way or another with Pablo. She said they're not looking to move Pablo. That's one of the quotes I put up in the um in the article. I think that's like the second or third question. But she mm-hmm. also didn't clear up if she was a buyer or a seller. And that's something that I think every team needs to have established at some point. I think they're going to do a little bit of both. That's kind of what she was alluding to when she said, uh, I've told teams many times that we're not buyers and we're not sellers. I, I guess she wants to do a little bit of both. She didn't. Men- she also mentioned that there's no that she doesn't have an untouchable on this team. She, I guess, hmm. it was hard for her to say that Sandy Alcantara is my untouchable Marlin, but it's okay. She she at least mentioned that she gave him a mm-hmm. five year contract, and that's how they feel about him. But I I really didn't learn too much. It's been pretty much the same song and dance this whole season with Kim from the beginning of the season to the end with how she's been doing her press conferences, and it really does suck. But yeah, I, I really didn't learn too much. My articles up there. There's a whole the, the whole uh, press conference recorded is on YouTube at our Fish Stripes channel, so you could listen to that there. The whole eight minutes. There's uh, there's questions that weren't mentioned there, but um, yeah, it was just very neutral from Kemang is what I saw. To be honest with you, because I mean I understand why she wouldn't mention Pablo if she's gonna deal him or not, because you lose leverage. You'll lose leverage. Teams will be like, all right, now it's time to get him for the cheap. You lost your leverage. You mentioned you're gonna trade the guy. So it's okay, but we'll see. We'll see. The trade deadline's still 48 hours away, and Pass, Jeff Passon was just on ESPN tonight or whatever it's called, Baseball Night, and he mentioned that mm-hmm. the Soto market is kind of what's holding up this whole trade market right now. So once Soto drops, I think we'll be expecting a, a haul of trades coming through. Or But the Marlins really can't be relying off of Soto right here. And she kind of did say that every trade is its own, its own and it's a separate trade and individual but I really don't believe that statement because Luis Castillo is in the same market as Pablo Lopez, and he got three top 30 prospects or four in return. And one of them was the best prospect, and I think is now the best prospect in the Cincinnati Red system in Noel V. Marte. So Pablo could garner the same. Maybe he could garner more. We'll see. But, I, yeah, Kim, I, I didn't learn too much. Just 
staying neutral throughout the whole thing. Andres, um, I know this was a big part, for especially the Pablo Lopez news. I know that was very important for you going into this press conference with Kim to see where, you know, what the direction of the team will be with Pablo. Whether he's going to be gone, he's going to stay with the team. Um, Andres, I, you wanted to dive a little more into that. What, what was your take on this whole Pablo Lopez situation? Sí, eh, bueno, eh, no sé qué decirte con, sobre Pablo. Incluso me sorprendió la respuesta de Kim cuando menciona que, que no ha tenido la oportunidad de hablar con él, que no ha tenido la oportunidad de hablar con él y que no sabe si, si, si los Marlins querían o quieren venderlo o no. Otra cosa que ella menciona es cuando, cuando dice uh, que están estudiando el, el mercado porque quieren, no quieren perder un trade y quieren sacarle el mayor provecho a un jugador. Uh, right. Pero entonces llegas, lo colocas a lanzar este, este, el último encuentro entre los Mets de Nueva York y, y es el mejor equipo de la Liga Nacional. Viene de una buenísima apertura contra los Rojos de Cincinnati. Lo mejor que podías hacer es venderlo con, con esa cara. Mira, Pablo López, eh, la última salida fue así. Y sorprende que ahora los Marlins lo pongan a lanzar contra los Mets. Nada más pudo lanzar 2.1 tercio yeah. o dos tercios de, del encuentro de hoy y permitió seis carreras. Cosa que jamás había sucedido en la carrera de Pablo López. And I'll say this, that this was pretty much the worst possible outcome that could have happened today. Because if Pablo came out here and at least allowed one or two runs and they still lost, it's okay because Pablo only allowed one or two runs, maybe got in three, five or six strikeouts, still a good outing. It's against the Mets. You know, you got to give it to him. He he pitched probably the best game he did against the Mets. I don't know if he's pitched better. This I think he has had really bad outings against the Mets this year, but it's okay. I mean, this is the worst possible outcome. And He's probably going to stay on Marlin now. <laughs> That's what we're saying. <laughs> and, no, this is something that I, I would say as well. But you can't base off this guy's whole season just off of one outing. He's one. He was the pitcher of the month in April. And I, did he win it again this season or no? I think he's no, only I mean, won it once. He's only won it once this season. But I agree with you, yeah, Kevin. He's he, he like that one start against New York cannot determine the type of pitcher he's been. All season, he's been the number two pitcher for the Marlins all year, and he can be an easily a number two pitcher for many rotations in baseball. It just so happens, you know. And I wanted to dive into that a bit as well. Is maybe the the psyche behind all that? Let's not let's not kid ourselves here for a second, guys. I'm sure the you know Pablo Lopez and many other athletes and and, and players in baseball they, when like they know or they have a good idea of what the market looks like, of the rumors and the, and the chatter and the things go that go go on behind the scenes. I wouldn't be surprised, and like you can't quote us on this. You can't. You, uh, I'm just. I'm just saying, possibly, that maybe the chatter and the rumors with, uh, that involved Pablo Lopez that got to him. You know, that could have, that 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 can easily be a situation as well. It's like, well, you know, he's hearing all this stuff. The Marlins are the, is the only orga organization he practically knows because I think he came from the Seattle um, system uh, yeah. years back. But he still, was in though, the David Phelps trade. Exactly. So. Um, but still, though, the Marlins uh, system is pretty much all he knows. So, yeah, it's, it is a big deal when you're involved in those in these type of rumors. But um, in terms of a, a managerial standpoint and like a front office standpoint, this was not the way to go. If let's say like the Marlins, the Marlins were or were and are planning to trade Pablo Lopez, this was not the route to take then, in my opinion. I think you would hold I, I think you wouldn't have him face you face the Mets. I, you would hold him off till Monday. But that's just like uh, there, there are plenty of scenarios you can go through or you can like go go through. And then, as Kevin mentioned, this was the worst situation and worst outcome that can possibly happen for the Miami Marlins. And, um, what were you going to say? Alex, es que Kevin menciona algo importante que, que dijo. Oh, Pablo López against Mets this season. So far, antes la salida de hoy, tenía una victoria y una derrota, pero ya había permitido seis carreras en cinco innings el 17 de junio permitió, yeah. seis, permitió seis carreras contra, contra los Mets. Luego lanzó en julio, inicio de julio, y lanzó cinco innings completos ante los Mets y solo permitió una carrera. Entonces, antes de la salida de hoy, te quedaba un récord de Pablo 1 y 1 con una efectividad por lo menos de 3, que no era mal. Y lo, lo, podías conseguir algo importante con Pablo López. Ahora vas y lo vendes al mercado con dos derrotas, una victoria y una efectividad de 9-9 de efectividad. Uh, no, no es viable. No, uh, I, you know, 
like, but like, I guess it's just putting the whole bigger picture, looking at the bigger picture with everything. Pablo Lopez has has been a pitcher, has been, you know, had the bad luck with injuries throughout the years, but he's finally putting it all together this year. And he's improved every year as well. It's not just like, yeah, he's had the bad luck with injuries, but as a player, he has improved and has shown that, yeah, he can definitely be a top a top tier pitcher um, in, in this league. Um, but you know, you're all, you're going to have your bad starts. It's, it comes with the, you know, Max Scherzer, DeGrom, all those guys, they have, they, they, they have their fair share of bad starts throughout their career as well. So, you know, I don't think it's going to affect his value to, to like, to a, a huge extent. I don't think it's going to like, and like, let's compare that hall that Luis Castillo and the Luis, Luis Castillo trade after this, um, outing with Pablo Lopez, I still think the Marlins, if they're going to part ways with him, they can still, they can still get a similar, um, package in return if they were going to uh, trade pablo lopez i don't think this start against the mets is gonna uh, w- would affect his trade value that much uh would you agree or disagree with me kevin uh, i agree i agree i truly agree with you that one start you shouldn't just put it down on the guy's value but mm-hmm. we have to see we have to think what do the scouts think because there are scouts there on the reported it blue jays were there mariners were there especially after the castillo trade they're still showing interest in starting pitching so they may want to get one of their old prospects back so That'll be another, I guess, homegrown player that they would be acquiring. But I don't know how. And and it, we thought it almost happened last night. If you didn't, I don't know if you saw this, but Jared Kalanick was pulled, was scratched from the AAA lineup, and Kyle Lewis was pulled out of the game in Seattle last night. He was put in. Mm. They put, I think, Carlos Santana the pinch run. Yeah. So there's something was happening, and you don't usually put Kyle Santana over Kyle Lewis when, when in base running situations. So there's definitely something going on, but. We'll see, but Pablo to Seattle would be an amazing fit. There's also the Yankees; they would be able to get you Oswald Peraza. They're not getting Volpe from the Yankees. Volpe's untouchable. Uh, yeah. I can confirm that they 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 think very highly of Volpe. Like they they think that guy's the next Derek Jeter of the franchise. Basically, that that's how they see Volpe and wow. Peraza you know would be the guy. You know what is how, uh, what is um funny? I put this tweet about about on the scouts on Twitter and yeah. the people start like why the Mets need another pitcher uh they get Luis Castillo and all of that and bro son son el equipo de las grandes ligas con más tiempo en ir a una sin ir a una postemporada por qué no conseguir otro lanzador un lanzador nunca es malo para un equipo y menos cuando tienes quizás Kirby y Marco González que son los dos lanzadores que no están del todo bien en esa rotación pues Pablo López te puede, te puede cumplir en ese, en ese trabajo. El y, en fue, y en muchas rotaciones Pablo es un número uno. Sí, so, totalmente. Entonces me, me pareció este, este, esto cómico de que algunos fanáticos de los marineros sí lo querían, otros no, otros decían, bueno, pero ya no hay nada en la granja que dar porque le dimos todo a Cincinnati. Eh, ¿qué, le vamos a, ¿Qué le vamos a dar a los Marlins? Eh, and, yeah, it's funny. Like, these 48 hours like, are going to be fun. No, it's an extremely fun time. They're going to be sad if Pablo because <laughs> you know how much we all love Pablo. No, he's you know he is one of the true nicest men you can like encounter in the game of baseball in terms of like the players. Like he's extremely intelligent. He's bright. He's very sociable, and and he, and he knows um, that he like he knows like how to, how to compete and and how to improve and how to adjust throughout the game, which is extremely important. You know, second third time around through the order. So he, and he's he's learned that little by little, how to get better as the game progresses. And, you know, he's going to have his bumps in, in, along the season, like just like everyone else does. You know, it's hard to maintain. The way he pitched in April, it's hard to do that a whole season. It's extremely hard. Not many people can do that, you know. So um, we'll just see. These next 48 hours um, um, are going to be kind of crazy. One of probably the most, one of the more interesting trade deadlines in one recent years. One on the freaking market. Just, just right. keep that no, I, was just, I was just saying for the Marlins franchise, though. Like, oh, in, yeah, in, but in I'm recent just talking years. in general. Juan Soto's yeah. on the market. And, 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 we, and, exactly. and like, we don't know if we don't know about Otani. Like Otani also is like, well, I don't know. Could, could something could happen there. You know, it's it's insane because like I don't know. You think it's with, with Otani, I just feel like I don't know. How can you like what can you like offer to, for Otani? Like you they you they're gonna get something a humongous haul for Otani. More, so, more than Soto. Has Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, even though Soto's twenty, I guess he's twenty-three. He's purely an amazing hitter. You know, he's good on the field as well. Like he's one of the best. 
but Otani, like you're getting a Cy Young, Silver Slugger. You're getting like the, everything practically. You're getting the complete package. So yeah, it's Let's just going to be look insane. At the to see. team that is interested in him. Let's look at the team that is interested in him, which were the Mets. They would have to give okay. up their top five guys in the farm system and maybe even major league talent. And that's Francisco yeah. Alvarez that you would have to throw in there to give up. So it's it's crazy what they would what the haul would be for a guy like Soto and for not not only not Soto, I'm sorry, for Shohei. Soto's yeah. haul is gonna be crazy too, because I think they want major league talent as well. So we'll see. And I, and yeah. the Mets aren't getting Soto. No, I don't think it's gonna be tough. Who knows? Who knows? This is a crazy, <laughs> a crazy, crazy time right now. In Major League Baseball it's exciting. It's gonna be fun, and then for the Marlins as well. Like even though with this press conference with, with with Kim didn't really say much, it's still interesting because we don't like you know she we said know nothing. Not, we know nothing at the end of the day. So I just want to give a quick blurb from the article that really stood out to me. Um, the question was. With the trade deadline, what's the kind of balance of making sure you add it in the areas that you need while not subtracting too much from your strengths? And then this was Kim's answer. Yeah, I always think it's it's always tricky. And I think that really depends on each deal, you know, and really looking at each one individually and separately. You know, obviously we have, I wouldn't say a surplus. I don't think you can ever have a surplus of pitching, but we have very good pitching. We have a fair amount of it. What, it, like what, I mean... Yeah, do they though have a surplus they have a lot of pitching? pitching? They have a lot of pitching, yeah. I, they do, but like with the injuries and everything, like just look I, at I the amount of guys they drafted. No, that's that's true as well. That's the thing as though with baseball as well is like you have to wait a bit with these guys when they when they draft when they, especially if they're not college players, not coming out of college, you have to wait a few years for them to develop and whatnot. And hopefully it pans out to at least be a respectable, serviceable MLB player. So it, it's it's just I don't know. You guys can check out the rest of the article on Fist Stripes. Kevin did an amazing job with, with it, with transcribing everything and just giving a clear picture of what, you know, or what or, or the lack of information that was given by, uh, by Kim. You know, I get it. it's a very hectic and stressful time for her and, ma- and other for, uh, major league front offices, but I just, it, it, it didn't feel right. It felt incomplete and, uh, you know, under uh, underwhelming, I guess, to say the least. But guys, I want to tr- um, transition over to now to, some new faces, some new kids on the block, I guess, with the Miami Marlins. Let's start off with Charles LeBlanc. You like that? I love that was pretty it. Pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad, not bad. So let's start with Charles. He made his major league debut in the series over the weekend against the New York Mets, and he and boy, oh boy, even though they lost today on Sunday, he had himself darn good a game. He collected another double. Um, cause he his first major league hit was on Saturday and it was a double. He collected another double today and a home run, his first major league home run. So, um, Andres, let's start off with, let's start off with you. What do you think so far? A lot, there's a lot of young guys playing right now. Charles LeBlanc, JJ Blade, Lewin Diaz. What do you think right now with this youth movement? Um, ayer estaba hablando, no recuerdo con quién estaba hablando esto, pero o creo que fuiste Alex o Kevin en la conversación de nuestro grupo, dijeron mm-hmm. por, qué, por qué los Marlins tardaron tanto en, en mostrar estas caras, que a simple vista dices, están listos para jugar en las grandes ligas. J.J. Billy Dave uh, me ha sorprendido, Charles uh, quizás no tuvo el mejor inicio en, en su primer juego, tuvo dos ponches, sin embargo consiguió su primer hit, fue un doble, y hoy simplemente el cuadrangular no se lo da a, a, a cualquier, primero a, a cualquier equipo, se lo está dando a los Mets de Nueva York, el mejor equipo de, las, de, la, de la Liga Nacional, al menos. Y a Walker, uno de los mejores lanzadores que tienen los Mets. Uh-huh. Eh, es algo para, para destacar. Y creo que, creo que los fanáticos de los Marlins pedían esto. Pedían que, que las nuevas caras, los, los jóvenes de este equipo subieran eh, hicieran el trabajo, pero el error de los Marlins fue hacerlo tan tarde. Cuando te das cuenta, ahorita ya estás, me, después de esta barrida ante los Mets, puedo decir que ya los Marlins no tienen, o de, se pueden ir despidiendo ya de la postemporada. Uh, sí. y, y, pero me alegra y me alegra, y no me sorprendería si ahora el equipo de los Marlins, si llegan a hacer un cambio, ofrezcan a una de estas piezas. Sería por Brian Reynolds. Ya, yeah, ya, yeah, por el well, tema de cuánto tiempo pueden, de, de cuánto tiempo pueden tener un pelotero y, y el valor que le pueden dar, Brian Reynolds sería lo, lo más lógico. I think it was announced that he's staying put in Pittsburgh. I think that like the Pirates already announced that he's not going anywhere. Yeah, they did. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, no, but, I'm just but saying, if, that would be so the type of trade. So let's give that a different perspective for our, for our listeners here, okay? The Pirates, they have one of their main guys, one of their building blocks, Reynolds. Like they came out and they said he's not going anywhere. Well, what is so hard with that though? You know, I'm, you know, what I'm trying to say like, you know, in terms of these Pablo Lopez questions and all these different questions of like who's who's staying, who's going. There's nothing wrong with just giving a clear cut answer saying this person is not going anywhere. This person is untouchable. If you guys check out Kevin's article, there's a question about you know who's untouchable and who and talking about Sandy Alcantara and seeing and then her response could have easily have been yeah, Sandy's untouchable or oh like Sandy's our guy, he's not going anywhere, but. It was more of like I think Kevin harped on it earlier too in the in in, in this episode is like her response was more like we gave him a five uh, like a like a long term deal so that should show you how we feel about him mm, I don't think so because we've seen and not just baseball but in many different sports guys are making a lot of money a lot more money than Sandy and a lot and, the, and more years on the contract as well and they've been moved they've been, that, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that's gonna happen I'm not gonna I'm, I'm saying like let's let like. That wasn't a, a, a clear-cut answer. You, you know what? Who's untouchable. You know what? That that's uh, that answer um, from Kim like uh, was a little bit annoying because we know who is Sandy Alcantara right now. Y fácilmente creo que si si había un por algún jugador decir no lo vamos a vender creo que era Sandy Alcantara. O sea, creo que podías arriesgarte y decir no. Podemos vender a quien tú quieras, pero la persona que no se va a ir de este equipo es Sander Cántara. Era muy fácil decirlo, no iba a sorprender a nadie, no, no te ibas a meter en ningún problema por decir eso, porque todos dentro, tanto del press box como los fanáticos, como quienes siguen a los Marlins, saben que Sander Cántara al menos no debería irse en los próximos tres años. And it would be good. It would be good. Like, you know, that quote would be good. That's a good quote from Kim Eng. Yeah. You would, you would assure that would be nice. It would go on national media. Saying yeah, you're that praising that. him in a sense, you know, like you're, you're saying like, this is our guy. He's yeah, our guy. Exactly. We're going to build around him. He's one of the best in the game. He's not going anywhere. I feel like that could have been a, 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 an appropriate answer for sure or, or along those lines because – You know, it's just saying, oh, we, we gave him a five-year like deal or whatever, and we, we, we extended him. That should, And then her response, that should tell you how we feel about him. No, it's not. Tell, that doesn't tell me anything. Avisair García tiene uno de los contratos más caros con los Marlins en este momento. Y no me sorprendería que Avisair García salga del equipo. No, yeah, no, okay. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Guys like Garcia, even Soler's contract. We saw recently, I was saying Yelich, his contract was very similar to Sandy's, extremely similar. That got moved, you know, yeah. like it's just, it's just, and I'm by saying, the same I'm regime, sure. yeah, exactly. So I'm just saying, like, the, the, you guys can take a look for yourself and read the response, some of the responses that Kim said. Like, like, like I said, amazing work by Kevin. You guys can check it out on Fish Stripes, it's, it's gonna give you a clear picture. I guess of how unclear that press conference was, but let's get back a little bit to like the young fellas, um, LeBlanc. Um, I, what I do like about as well what, Matt, what Don Mattingly is doing, he's putting Blade and Lewin Le Diaz in. Not they're not they're not bearing these young guys in the bottom of the lineup. Um, Diaz was hitting in, in the three hole, Blade in the you know in the fifth spot. So like in the in the middle of the lineup, you know, so they're gonna they're, they're expecting. I'm not expect to produce, but they're gonna get more at bats and they're and more I guess. Um, meaningful situations to be part of. So um, Diaz, I feel like his bat hasn't come alive, you know, at all. In the, because he's always been calling, been called up and down the last couple of years. Not a lot of consistency at this level. So maybe it was when some more at bats and uh, down the line, you know, I feel like he can maybe pull it together and have a good last month, hopefully, of the season. Um, but day, he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, I think he's gonna get your strikeouts. He's gonna, he's gonna hit for power. Um, he's made a couple of nice plays in center field so far. They've been using oh, yeah. in center field. So that's nice to see. Um, LeBlanc, he's the one that got buried in the bottom of the lineup, but that's fine. You know, he's he was making his debut. He's like, um, you know, friends and family there. Just put him in the bottom. He's gonna get easier pitches to see more. You know, so and Andres mentioned he did strike out twice in his debut. He's on his first at major league at bat ever. Three pitches, three strikes. You're out. Welcome to the show, young fella. Um, but it's nice to see him just you know do it in front of friends and family, getting the hits, getting the getting it out of the way, the home run. Um, and he's playing third base. He can play second base as well. But I want to go back to what Andres said earlier about, you know, with all these uh, new faces in the clubhouse, This, these moves, these transactions should have happened weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, because Jazz has been out for a while. You know, Wendell has just got back recently. 
you know, because like, he was out for a good a good chunk of time as well. Cooper's out. You know, it's just the injuries have been piling up, and now is when we see the, these transactions. Even with Jake Fishman the other day, Nick Nider, you know, it's just like all these transactions are happening. But it's just why now? Like the the reinforcement, the reinforcements were there. They always were, and I guess not. It's just another. I'm not gonna say a poor move, but I'm gonna, it's just gonna say like it doesn't take a genius to realize what what is going on and how and what are uh, and what are ways to resolve or I guess stop the bleeding in a sense. And we haven't really. And now is when we're finally seeing our, our prayers are being answered in a way. Now it's when that's going on. But um, Kevin, what has been your take so far on all the guys, all the young guys I've mentioned? I was super happy. First of all, let's go with Meyer, who they called the first. I, I forgot. Finally, I'm sorry, yeah, Meyer. Yeah. Finally, they called that guy up. So sad that he had to right. suffer that Tommy John surgery. Uh, it was kind of evident the second you noticed he suffered a second elbow injury in the same season in a very mm -hmm. similar time span as well. He suffered pretty quickly both times. But then Blade Day, that was a little bit – that, that, that had to happen as well. The guy had started horribly in AAA. I told myself this guy wouldn't be a major leaguer this season, but mm. he proved me wrong. He's a major leaguer, and, and he's raking. He, he's been one of the better hitters on this team as of late, especially in that Mets series. Very patient at bats as well. If you notice, he takes those the, those balls with no issues. So, And then the final one, LeBlanc, you know, Andres mentioned two strikeouts, and the first one, as you mentioned as well, Alex, was a three-pitch strikeout. The three-pitch swings and swing and misses, I'm pretty sure they're all swing and misses, but it's okay. He got a homer today, and then he got a nice double as well. Good game. Mm -hmm. Already showing that he could hit. And I'll say this. Craig Mish yesterday. We did a, space, a Twitter spaces after the game. Craig Mish somehow joined. And he, he, found, he found his way. And he said Miami's looking for a third baseman. That, that's been one of their – that's been the need. So, Brian Anderson's a third baseman. Joey Wendell's a third baseman. Charles LeBlanc is a third baseman. I don't know if LeBlanc will be the long-term guy. But, you know, now that we're on that topic of third baseman, and LeBlanc is one himself, maybe they could be looking for one in this deadline. So, and then maybe – BA isn't a long-term guy, which I don't think he was ever going to be just because of the regime change and so-and-so. But, yeah, uh, I I'm actually happy that they're calling these guys up. Hopefully the bullpen guys that we've seen, Simpson, Nardi, Jeffrey Yan, those type of guys are the next ones coming up. Colton Hawk, another nice name to talk about there. And Edward will soon be up as well, and maybe they throw him in the bullpen. Sixers should be up next season, just some other young, young guns that this team has. Exactly. Like you mentioned the young guns. So yes, and the, the reinforcements, let's not forget about Jesus Lusardo. You know, another yep. young pitcher is coming back as well. Cabrera. So uh, I'm not saying we're not saying this, say, oh, it's going to turn the season around and they're going to make a playoff push. I'm not, we're not saying no, no. that. It's just saying the youth movement is finally what we've been saying. Like, give us a direction with this franchise. You're going to let the young guys play or go for it. And I guess we're finally seeing now, yeah, they're going to just let the young guys play out the rest of the season. And I, you know what? It is what it is. I'd rather just finally see these guys play, but they, has been in the minors, I think, way too long, way too long. So overall, I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see, like, finally, okay, like, you know, we we can see what they're made of and and what can they and how how they can produce at this level. And but then again, even after this press conference with Kim, we don't know if they're gonna like trade any of these guys or they're, or they're gonna package any of these young players in a trade. Like, we don't know. We don't know at all. We don't have any clear direction. So guys, I just want to, I guess, not wrap things up, but kind of like gear away to the final segment of today's episode and talk about um, just the last two weeks and the last two weeks of this, of, of Marlins baseball episode six came out July 15th. We're recording this on July 31st. We have a two week sample size of the Miami Marlins. Um, we, this, so we he dropped the last episode in the beginning of the Philadelphia Philly series um, right before the all-star break, they got swept. Then the all-star break happened. They came back and they had a one game against Texas and they lost eight to zero. That was one game. They lost eight to zero at home. Then they went on the road for seven games. First, a three games, a three game series in Pittsburgh and they won two out of three. And then they had a four game series in Cincinnati and they split it two and two. And then as we mentioned earlier, they um, had a three game series back at home and they got swept by the New York Mets. It wasn't even close. It didn't feel close whatsoever. And, and, and a lot of these games, it did not feel very close. Um, so, guys, um, now, like, when we recorded the episode of July 15th, we were talking about these next two weeks uh, towards the end of the month, all the way through, through July, will determine 
what the Marlins would do at the trade deadline. So Andres, we I'm going to start off with you for this question. We now we we have now completed those two weeks. The Marlins did not play well whatsoever. They struggled against the bad teams that they needed to take care of, like the Phillies. Well, the Phillies aren't bad, but they could have won. They those are, they have they've had the Phillies number recently. They split again. They split in Cincinnati, and um, they, okay, they, they went two out of three in Pittsburgh. Okay, but they could you know you, those are the series that you they have also to go did for play a speed. four game. They played a four game set against the Pirates, right? No, against Cincinnati. Four games against against Cincinnati. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So it was Phillies. Then that one game against the Rangers. Three against Pittsburgh. Four at Cincinnati, and then three at home that they just finished right now. And so that's a pretty good sample size to determine. Um, now we're 48 hours away from the trade deadline. That yeah, they're not going. My here's my opinion. We'll go around the horn. They're not going for it. So like they're not going for the playoffs. Andres. I'll start off with you now. What is what has the last two weeks shown you, and what do you think is going to happen with the Marlins now on Tuesday at, at the trade deadline? I just have one word for one word. For, yeah, for all this. Okay. Desastre. Yes. Desastre. O sea, mm -hmm. el último capítulo dijimos, oh, los Marlins están a tan solo tres juegos eh, para para jugar a 500. Right. Three games. Eh, Sandy Alcántara, Max Meyer, and, and we we like estábamos muy emocionados por lo que podía ser un, una semana impresionante, un fin de semana que, que prometía mucho y al final eh, no vimos eso, vimos todo lo contrario, un equipo que sin ir muy lejos lo que mencionaste anterior, ¿por qué los Marlins teniendo a estos dos novatos Tomaron tanto tiempo jugando con Williams Astudillos en la tercera base. No, no, no tiene sentido. No, no hay ningún sentido para esto. Y obviamente ya, po, ya, ya como lo dice Ale, este equipo no va a jugar o no, no tiene nada que buscar por los playoffs. No está muy lejos porque si es verdad están a siete juegos y todavía te quedan 58 de la segunda mm -hmm. mitad. Tú dices, bueno, se puede, puede pasar algo, pero más allá de que tienes que ganar, tienes que tener suerte eh, de que los otros rivales que están encima tuyo pierdan los juegos. Eh, y son muchas cosas que no dependen nada más de los Marlins. Eh, creo que ahora los Marlins deberían vender, pero cuando vayan a vender, no pensar en una vender a todos tus jugadores. Es vender conscientemente, vender en, ok, te puedo dar a Pablo, pero ¿qué voy a recibir yo que me va a hacer mejor y me va a hacer al menos clasificar a los play a los playoffs la temporada que viene? Exactly. No, you, 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 you're extremely correct on that, on that last part of your statement there, Andres. Yeah, the, the way the Marlins should approach this trade deadline is not just, like, okay, let's tear it down, let's get rid of all everybody. No, 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 no. If they're going to make trades, which they probably will still, make a conscious effort for the next season. How are we going to improve the roster for next season? Maybe to get some guys under control for a couple of years, depending on uh, who they're going after. You know, it, the Marlins really haven't been linked to many, many names out there. You know, Reynolds in Pittsburgh was one of them. Uh, you know, I really can't think of other guys, you know, that they, they, they've been like really, really on top of or really, really linked to for a long period of time. But um, Kevin, now I'm going to head on to you now. These last two weeks, disasters of accurate word, in my opinion, as Andres said, Um, we saw the new, now a lot of the young guys are, are coming up and playing now. Do you think, um, the Marlins are out of it? Like, cause, because Kim said yesterday that they're still in the thick of things. Do you agree with that? You, or do you think that the direction of the way they played the last two weeks, it, it is, it, it doesn't, you know, go along with what Kim said? Yeah, no, they're out of it. I mean, right. just think, yeah, they beat Pittsburgh. They beat Cincy in a couple of games, but those aren't good teams. You lost to a good team in Philly that's better than you. You lost to a good team that's the Mets that's better than you. We'll, we can even go back to the opening day series. You lost two out of three against the Giants, and that team's over you in the standings. It's over. I mean, as much as I want them to keep it up and I want them to buy it as much as I would love to see that, it would Me be too, irresponsible yeah. of them because you would be giving up all of your future, most of it, for either a one-year rental or maybe a guy that will be back the second year And you're not going to extend either way because you don't spend money with this franchise. And a little bit of breaking news, Victor Victor Mesa just got promoted to AAA. So congrats to him. He had a good month and he, he, he earned himself a promotion. Your Donna must be loving that. So you know, he's fine, slowly but surely climbing the, the ranks in the minor league system. And yeah, Kevin, um, 
you may like like you're right as well. I agree with all what you guys are saying. Um, both of you guys, um, in terms of how they played, they played the last two weeks. They can't beat the good teams. And if you look at the schedule coming up in in August, it does not get any easier. The Nationals no. are not going to be walking through the door every series. No. You know, they're not going to be there. They're going to be going to, I think, you know, play some West Coast teams as well. The Dodgers like the twice. The Dodgers yeah. twice. The Padres. You have a series. You're playing the Braves, and one of those is a doubleheader. You're going to yeah. Philly. Uh, you're playing Oakland. That should be a walk in the park, but it's the Marlins, so they'll definitely go into some extra innings. So, so we'll see. We'll see. It's, it's. I think they have the fifth toughest schedule after this it, going on from August on. So, it's, and I it's think the Marlins front office is aware of that as well. Look they at the schedule be. ahead. Yeah, look at the schedule ahead. Let's be real for a second here. I understand, like you know, Kim has to say that as well because you're, you're talking to the media. Want to put you know be positive, positive as much as possible, and and. and you know, positive spins on everything it as much it as you can. Definitely was. It definitely was. Yeah, and and you know, so but if we look at it, you know, you know, not without without being a fan and not you know trying to like just root for them as much as possible. At the end of the day, you have to look at the team that they are. They don't beat the they don't beat the good teams. They beat the bad teams occasionally, and they I don't I don't think they've won a series against a team over five hundred all year. I, I can be it'd wrong be on Houston. that. It'd be Houston. It'd be Houston. Okay. Okay. So. And I guess if you really want to go further, they beat the Braves, but that was when they were under 500. So. They were under 500. They, they had a slow start, but then again, like, even Madeline said it too. Like that. Not to be Philly. So, yeah, but no, they still are not beating the teams on good teams on a consistent basis. And like you mentioned, they're struggling against the teams that they should beat easily if they want to be considered a playoff team. So, right now, with the players that they have, and, and you know, we've t- I've talked about it with you and, and the Fish Stripes uh, team. On um, one of your more on one of your series previews, I think it was against Pittsburgh that Madden Lee talked about having the same guys, having the same type of players. I saw that, and I love that. I love that statement by Madden Lee because it, it, I'm not saying he was throwing a jab at the front office, but it's kind of like you know an alert, like he raised an alarm. They're like, hey, like this 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 didn't work out. This roster construction did not mesh together. It did not come. It did not. It did not like gel well. And we and now we're seeing it. And when it's time to, you know, like for the big boys to perform, as Madeline said as well, they and especially now in this time of the year when these games are even more important and more meaningful, they've underperformed. And then the injuries obviously have a factor as well. And that that just more of the luck. That's more than luck than anything. But yes, these last two weeks have given us a clear picture that the Marlins are out of it. Maybe like as Andres said, they're only like what seven games now. But look, two weeks ago we talked about it. And they're only three, three and a half games out of the, the wild card spot. Two weeks can do, two, two weeks can do a lot uh, to a team, and we're seeing it now with the Marlins. You know, it's just it's a shame. But you know what? You know, this is hopefully they're smart with any trades or any transactions they make, and they they improve their roster for 2023. So let's just wrap things up here with that with that question: If they're going to attack this trade deadline for 2023, what should they be going after? Uh, Andres, let's start off with you. Uh, and for the 2023 season, if they're going to make any trades, what what should the Marlins address for next season? Oh my god! <laughs> oh I'm my sure god. there are many holes. I'm sure there are many. You know, they got to yeah, yeah, holes. But, yeah. Yeah, but let's start off with a couple. Okay, primero uh, para asegurarnos y los Marlins hoy 31 de julio están a mm-hmm. ocho juegos, no siete. Eight games now. Yeah. Okay. okay. Eh, los Marlins qué necesitan en la siguiente temporada. Uh, un jardinero central lo primero que necesitamos un jardinero yes, central no podemos seguir o oh, depende porque he visto JJ jugando en el en el center field y no me parece un mal pelotero para el center field depende eh, sí se, se ve mucho mejor de lo que yo pensaba que iba a lucir mm-hmm. y, y, y me gusta lo que veo no sé cuál será el plan de los Marlins con él pero en tal caso de que quieras una persona con más experiencia En, en los jardines necesitas un center field natural y un brazo largo para para, para el bullpen uh-huh. y por último un cerrador porque este equipo hace cuánto un cerrador necesitamos un cerrador en los Marlins hace cuánto los Marlins no tienen un verdadero cerrador Brandon Kinsler fue el último eh, eso y eso fue hace dos años dos años and he had his and he had his early lumps as well. Let's not forget that. You know, he did he did um, find it together towards the end of the shortened season. But he, you know, he hasn't. He's he's not like I guess your 
your top closer or your, he your top one of tier the best closers. He was one of the best in that season. He, yeah, you know, the shortened season and whatnot. But overall, his career, he's not one of those like high caliber, like, yep. really, you know, like relievers that come in the game and shut things down. He's a he's a serviceable reliever, and and but the Marlins caught some caught some fire with him in that 2020 shortened season, and he just rode with that. He was on one of those hot streaks that relievers go through. It's it's very Get doable. Out. Creo que me, más allá del, del brazo para el relevo largo, creo que mis tres opciones serían un jardinero, un cerrador y un bateador zurdo. Okay, so yeah, a center fielder, a reliever, oh no, a, a closer, and then a left-handed bat. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree I agree with those 100%. Kevin, so um, if the Marlins are going to attack this trade deadline, what do they need to address for the 2023 season? Okay, so 2023, let's look at that first. So yeah, according to Sowers... You guys know the source. Mm-hmm. Soler will be the DH every day. He's the everyday DH. That opens left field for Blade. And then Avi stays in right. You need a center fielder. That's need number one. There's a 25% chance Miggy's on the Marlins next season. So they need a young, controllable shortstop. That's number two. They, I don't think they'll need the closer for this season. I think you just finish it off with Tanner Scott. And middle relief is another need. Andre there because mm-hmm. they they really do need it i mean it's it's bad you you have the seventh the eighth and the ninth locked down now just lock up the fifth and the sixth if mm-hmm. it's needed because sandy's gonna let you go in that seven or eight and pablo could go six so then you could just use bass whatever finally third base I, I do think you need a third baseman that's just another position that's you don't really you really don't know what you're gonna do they could keep joy wendell and that would be the guy but yeah, no. And then finally, if, if you could get someone better than Lewin Diaz, I love Lewin Diaz. He's the best defensive first baseman in the org. But if you could get a guy who has amazing defense as well as amazing offense, you're good. And I don't. We'll see if that's Garrett Cooper. If they keep Cooper, because Cooper is a pretty good defender. And finally, I guess you could get a a catcher. That's another need. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at the biggest need right now because this seems super far away from it. And a lefty hitter. They do need the lefty hitter. They need to balance it out. Blade is a lefty. Yeah, you have Lewin, who's a lefty. I think Jazz is the lefty, if I'm correct. Yeah, so. Jazz, is, Jazz mm-hmm. is a lefty. So you're but, getting the balance, which is which is much needed. So those are the big needs for 2023 right now. If, if this team were to buy, I guess you could say center field, closer, and middle relief. Yeah, no, and you talk about, you know, the balancing of the lineup. Now we're seeing Mattingly finally have the opportunity to go a lineup of lefty-righty, 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 and so on and so forth, you know, so – He's at. He, they're, they're finding that balance. I guess now is now is just up to seeing and hopefully seeing the the young guys produce for the rest of the season. Um, but I guess just to um, kind of just like I don't want to repeat the same thing you guys are talking about. But I did like like how you mentioned that Tanner Scott should just be you know at, you know right out the season be the closer and 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 that's it. Yeah, see what he has. Who knows? Maybe he can prov- you know. Teams are interested in Scott though. I, I will exactly. Say that. They, you know, maybe for next season, though, if he shows, okay, maybe that some teams are hesitant with him because he hasn't really pulled it, pulled it all together as a closer. But if you if you let him, if you let it ride it out the season with the Scott as the closer, then and he, and he does well, then it just improves his, his value for next season. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to keep him around, then yeah, for sure, you then you have a closer. You you find your closer, you know, without dishing out a lot of money at the same time. Um, I will say this though, I guess the main thing is. Uh, if you're gonna get a hitter, lefty or righty, you gotta get the clutch guys, the impact bats. Not because they, they had they had a good little stretch like Soler. Let's look at his career in perspective here for a second. Yeah, he led the league in home runs in 2019, but at the end of the day, what else? What what, watch, what is going? Not watch, exactly. Watch the career for Soler. Like, if you, you go you, to to the numbers, like the only crazy that you're gonna find is the World Series uh, last year. That's yeah. it. That's it. You need to get the impact players, the guys who, who are going to go up to the bat, and I don't care if they're right-handed or left-handed. If there's runners on second and third base, those runners are coming to score, whether a sack fly, an RBI ground out, a base hit. Those guys are going to make it happen. The guys are going to produce when runners are on base. Because right now, with all the power hitters that the Marlins have and all the, you know, the, like the improvements, I guess you want to say, they made last offseason going into this season, the, that line, the, the lineup can't score runs. No matter what, no matter like they just can. If the righty pitching, a lefty pitching, it does not matter. They look, they 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 they're struggling. They're a struggling team on offense, and they haven't been able to p- p- score runs at a at a consistent rate throughout the season. 
you know, they had that stretch. Let's not let's talk. Okay, let's talk about a little bit the past two weeks. They didn't they go through that stretch of like they tied the franchise record for most consecutive 30, 34, 37, 34, what? some around there. It was in the mid 30s. Let's just put it like that. That's bad. That's extremely bad. You know, oh. and and you cannot play. Look, let's look, as you look at the teams right now in the playoffs or in the playoff picture, they don't go through stretches like that ever throughout the season. You know, because you can't, you can't have laps like that. You can't. So and you have to I spend did, money. That's that's at the end of the day. They did. Smartly, they just spent smartly, it incorrectly. Though. Exactly. But look at the Dodgers. Look at the Mets. Especially the yeah. Mets. Look at what they have. They've pretty much bought themselves into that second second spot in the NL. And well done by the Mets. You got Marte. You got Scherzer. You have Degrom. You, I think Degrom's homegrown. So Eduardo, Eduardo I, I, Escobar. Eduardo like, Escobar. Like just look at that team and what Edwin they Diaz are well, came from Seattle. Edwin Diaz. Yeah. Look what they're gonna acquire the deadline. Like possibly you got Wilson Contreras to be your catcher. You may get Ian Happ. We un- like, we understand though that the Marlins are not at the same market level in, ter- in terms of the Mets and, and dishing out money, but they, they still have, huh? They can give out more, and they did. Sh- they showed last season. We talked about it before the show. The Marlins spent close to 100 million dollars this past offseason with Garcia and Soler. If you, if you combine the not like annually, like if you combine both contracts together and all that yeah. money, it's close to like 100 million dollars. So they're finally spending the money. Just do it wisely. You know, and and that, that's gonna be that's been ringing in my head for months now. With the, with a Manly statement when he said we have too many of the same guys. Let's not repeat that mistake again. Let's yeah. balance this lineup out. You know, like like before the show, um, Kevin said Jock Peterson was a it was a free agent signed with San Francisco for a one year six million dollar deal, and he's and he's producing. He was an all star the Giants. Exactly. So I could you know I'm not saying that could have been the Marlins, but I'm saying you. The, it could have been a rob they could have taken. Yep. And, and Mark Canna, look at Mark Canna, the season he's been putting. I think he signed, he he didn't sign for a big deal, but it was a three or something deal. Less than Solaire, less than Avi. You have to spend smart. And that's not and that's not what the Mar- that's the Marlins didn't spend smartly. Perdón, antes de, de que ustedes sigan, están hablando de Soler y de, y de Aguilar. ¿Podemos hablar de la respuesta de, de Kim sobre mala suerte? Uh, mm. refiriendo, refiriéndose a que los números de Soler y, y Abisail es solo mala suerte. That is a quote that she said. Yeah. That is a quote. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, and for people listening, um, yeah, Andrés was talking about the, um, like the main message or another main message, but something that Kim like talked about a bit was just the bad luck with the performance of Jorge Soler and Garcia. Um, gentlemen, I don't, you know, you know, yeah, there's luck involved in everything in life. You know, there's, you gotta be lucky once in a while. You're gonna, you have, you're gonna have bad luck once in a while. Avisado Garcia was lucky when he hit some homers. Exactly. You know, and I'm not, you know, trying to be rude here, but remember Kim also said that Garcia was a 30 homer guy, right? You know, when the season started when they, when she was talking about the, the, the new, um, um, signings that they did in the off season. So this is early in the season. Yep. Garcia has not been is not a 30 homer guy. He's never been a 30 homer guy. He's he's had some success recently in hitter friendly ballparks, you know. And Soler, we, we we said it mentioned earlier, he strikes out a lot. His highlight was in the 2021 World Series when he was the MVP of the series, and then the, in 2019 when he led the league in home runs. That's gonna happen. You're gonna have some guys that have a good year, whatever. But at the end of the day, the the sample size is there that you you like you can probably get a better option, maybe cheaper. Or a different, you know, or like a left-handed bat, you know, it's just too many of the same guys, and that's gonna that's that's some something they need to be learned from for for 2023. But yeah, guys, I think that's just gonna wrap it up here for episode seven of First Pitch 305. You, um, Kevin, any final thoughts? Anything go, before we go into the trade deadline? Final thoughts for today's episode? Nah, man, just thank you for having me once again. This is always fun to do. We got to do this again for sure um just just stay tuned guys this this deadline's gonna be probably one of the crazier ones we've seen in a, in a couple of years just looking at an overall perspective otani may be on the market which i don't think he will go but soto juan soto a top five player in the mlbs on the mlb on the on the trade block um and just looking at the marlins standpoint it's it's gonna be a lot of surprises we, we really don't know what they're gonna do yeah, uh, we didn't even talk about the players that may that would surprise us if they go. Mickey Rose definitely won. Joey Wendell, I would be a little bit surprised if he goes, but 
yeah, this this is gonna be wild. This is gonna be wild, wild, wild because this is the first year where not even Craig Mish, who who you know we I had on Fish Stripes and Filtered, he's mm-hmm. he, even on his pod. He said it, he said it on Twitter Spaces. He has no idea what this team's gonna do. He really doesn't know. This is that year that nobody knows what the Marlins are gonna do. So we're gonna be in for a lot of surprises. So just stay tuned on Fish Stripes on Alex's coverage, Andres's coverage. You know, it's 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 gonna be wild. It's gonna be a wild week. Uh, Andres, are you there? All right, Andres, wrapping things up here on episode seven of First Pitch 305. Final thoughts, final statements before we go into the trade deadline and the rest of the season for the Miami Marlins. Uh, no se sorprendan de los jugadores de los, por los cuales los Marlins vayan a vender. No se sorprendan mm-hmm. si, si Joey Wendell sale del equipo, si Garrett Cooper sale del equipo. Mm-hmm. Uh, pero tampoco se sorprendan si los Marlins no venden a nadie. Porque es como dice Kevin, no, no sabemos. Nadie actualmente puede decir o los Marlins van a ser totalmente vendedores o solo van a vender un jugador. No sabemos nada. Incluso las personas que están en el press box todos los días no saben qué sucede con este equipo o qué va a suceder en las próximas horas. Pero lo que sí les puedo asegurar va a ser un divertido trade lane porque siempre lo es. Eh, desde el año pasado creo que esto ha sido una de las mejores cosas que la MLB ha implementado. Y van a, ser, van a ser, como ya les dije, divertidas 48 horas. Veremos qué pasa. Y no sé si Ale va a estar en el estadio el martes, pero el martes eh, vivir un, un, un deadline de, de, dentro del estadio. Estoy seguro que, que podemos ver a alguien, algún jugador despidiéndose en el clubado. Absolutamente. No, you make a good point there, Andrés. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be surprised at all that on Tuesday we see somebody getting traded in the middle of the game. We've seen it before. I always think of Wilmore Flores when he was with the Mets and he heard oh, the news that he got traded. Yeah. He was crying on the field like that. You know, that's, that's, that's you know, they're human beings at the end of the day. And most yeah. of these guys, that you know, they, they start when they're 16, 17 years old with the franchise, with an organization, and, they, and they, you know, they're with them until they get traded, unfortunately. And, that, and for 10, 11, 12 years, that's all they have known in, in terms yeah. of baseball. So it is, a, it is a big deal. You're moving family, things like that. So it is going to be a... An exciting time, though, especially for the Marlins. They've been pretty active the last couple of years. But, you know, unfortunately, in the starting Marte front as well, you know, especially seeing him do well against the Marlins, it just kind of stings a bit more. Yeah. But you know what? There's a lot to look forward to. I think the Marlins are de- definitely going to learn from, you know, past experiences and how to make this team better. Because I feel like, you know, that should be the main goal right now for this franchise. Aim for 2023. Let's get, let's improve this team. And hopefully, you know, I feel like this division, it's not, it's not up for grabs, but you know, especially now with the Mets and all their improvement, but they can definitely hang in with them. They can hang up there with them if they just make some some tweaks here and there on the roster. They're not that far away as people ex- expect, but not this season is not it for them. But yeah, guys, don't forget, you can follow Kevin uh, and his work on Fist Stripes, and then you can follow Andres's work at Con Las Bases Llenas. Guys, thank you so much again with this little trio we got going on here back-to-back episodes episode six and seven of first pitch 305 thank you guys for joining and you can listen to the podcast wherever you listen to po- uh, podcasts on spotify apple and you can even on the website lemoncitylive.com and yeah guys that's gonna do it for episode seven take care everyone <laughs>